Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. This episode is another in our Playhouse series and features a short drama by Anselm Rose. It's called A Heart of Glass. I suppose this is a love story of sorts. Two love stories. Though now I sit down to tell it to you, it doesn't feel at all romantic. One has a happy ending and the other doesn't. Or at least not the kind of ending you'd call happy, exactly. What is happiness anyway? Dad, it's time to get ready. Already? I let you sleep, but now you really have to get up. I I can't. I, I just can't. You have to. You must. You can't dodge Mum's funeral. Please, Dad, don't try and get out of this. If I get up, I'll break. I'll break, I tell you. I can't get up. Yes, this is definitely a love story. Okay, so it's a bit of a strange love story, but it's a love story nonetheless. You just have to believe me on that one. And it's the best kind. The kind that just comes at you out of the blue. One phone call, one strange request, and your life just changes. That's what I love about life. No matter how down you feel, there's always something that can come along and get you out of it. That's what I've learnt. And you need to learn it too. One phone call, and you're suddenly in a whole new world. Even if you don't know it for a while. Bobby Genius, All Things Glass, how can I help you? Ah, oh, uh, hi. I I wasn't... I I was expecting to leave a message. Why? Well, it's Sunday night. Well, best time to work. How can I help? Are you really called Bobby Genius? Well, that's what people call me, uh, but no, my surname isn't Genius. What is it? Well, Genesius. It's almost Lithuanian. Almost Lithuanian? Well, my ancestors kept crossing borders and the borders kept crossing them and so they came to England and uh, 60 years ago and, uh, well, that's me. How can I help you? You work with glass. I do. That's why my business is called All Things Glass. I'd like... Now, this might sound a bit strange. I like strange. Strange makes life interesting. Is this about glass or you're looking to talk about something strange with a random stranger on a Sunday night? No! This is about glass, a kind of. What kind of glass? You'd need to come over and see. Okay, uh, so you have some glass. Antique glass, maybe? Uh, Maybe you want me to appraise it? I deal in antique glass as well as making glass. You make new glass? Well, I'm a glass blower. I turn breath into fine glass uh, things. You need to come and appraise a situation. A fragile situation? (laughs) What? Uh, sorry, bad joke. Uh, tell me where you live and I can come... Uh, let me have a look. Let me have a look. Uh, Thursday morning? Uh, that's the first time I can do it. Yes, Thursday morning. I, I can be there at 8am. Is that, is that too early? Can you make it 10? My father will be ready by then. Oh, this is for your dad. You'll see when you get here. OK. Address? Thank you, thank you. 
I'm Ralph Calder, and my latest book, which I'm sure you've all purchased already, is called The Enemy of Secrets, Glass, and the Fragile Human Soul. Now, I stole that title from the German philosopher Walter Benjamin, who wrote that glass is, in general, the enemy of secrets. He was writing in the 1930s about the new kinds of structures that were rising in New York, London, Berlin, and other major cities, constructed from concrete, iron, and glass. It was the beginning of a new kind of corporate and workplace structure, which brought workers into huge caverns of capitalism, to work nine to five within large, light, spacious offices where there was no privacy or adornment. The secrets Benjamin was talking about, I believe, are those of the individual human soul, the things that make each one of us unique, the ability to take time and spend it how you will. Glass was the enemy of those moments and those secret desires. The office was the machine, the work was the point of the day, nothing more and nothing less. Benjamin said that glass does not have an aura. He was right at a time when glass was booming. Plate glass in shop windows, larger windows in homes, glass was revolutionising the modern world. And yet, glass is also the symbol of ultimate fragility. When Tennessee Williams penned the production notes for his play, The Glass Menagerie, he wrote, When you look at a piece of delicately spun glass, you think of two things. How beautiful it is, and how easily it can be broken. All our secrets are, ultimately, made of glass. You can't not come, Dad. You, you can't not come! It's Mum's funeral, for Christ's sake! If I move, I will break. I will break. Look at me! Look at me! How can I move? I'll break! Oh, this is so... so typical of... of you! So selfish! So... oh, what the hell? I'm wasting my time! Oh, no, 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 don't slam the door! Hi, I'm Bobby. Bobby Genius, the glass man. Oh, yes. Sorry, is it ten already? Well, it's five past, actually. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit late. Traffic. No, no, that's OK. I, I lost track of time. It's a slippery thing. Sorry? Time. Slippery. Slips through your fingers all the time. Yeah, um, before you come in, um, let's just step down to the end of the path. Oh, oh OK, OK. This isn't really about glass. Well, it is, but not glass as you might know it. It's glass, but not as we know it, Jim. Sorry? Star Trek. What? Dr. Spock, the original series. Bit of a nerd when it comes to classic sci-fi. So, this is about glass, but not glass. Yeah, well, my father, he, he we just lost, I mean, his wife died. My, my mother died. Oh, my mum died when I was little. I imagine it hurts whenever it happens. Oh, that's that's awful. I was too young to really take it in. But you must have taken it in. I mean, children absorb everything that's around them. Yes. I mean, no, I mean, you're right. For me, it was never really knowing her. Oh, I see. So, the glass. Did it belong to your mother? What glass? The one you want me to uh, do something with or, or about. Oh, no, no. Listen... 
If you think this is too strange, then just tell me and I'll pay you for your time. I think you'd better just tell me straight out. I, I, I am confused, but intrigued. My father thinks, no, believes that he is made of glass. Okay. I, I want you to prove to him that he isn't. You're an expert in glass and he might believe you. Um, could you just say that again? If this were a love story, then there'd be a better meet cute. So maybe this isn't a love story. My mother met my father in the Maison de Verre, the famous glass house in Paris. On a bright, sunny spring day with a man playing an accordion out on the street, with elegant French men and women smoking cigarettes in long cigarette holders, and Jean-Paul Belmondo introduced them. No, no, no. That's the fantasy I had in my head, but they did meet at this classic building. The building that always fascinated my father. The academic who specialised in the history, psychology, art and sexuality of glass. My mother, Monique, was so, so French. So down to earth. So loving. And she could see right through my father's pretensions. And he knew it. The moment he met her, he knew he couldn't hide anything from her. And that was exactly what this buttoned-up academic needed. It was a transparent love and a brittle one at times, but it never shattered. Dad, this is Bobby. He's a glassmaker, a blower. What do you call yourself? What? What? I'm a glazier, a glass blower, a glasssmith, a gaffer. What does he, what does he want with me? He's just going to have a little chat with you, Dad, okay? Veronica, wait! Oh, that's a, that's a nice chair you've got there, sir. What? Yes, yes it's it's an original. An original Eames from the 1950s. Well, actually, yes. Well, it looks comfortable. It's famously comfortable. But you don't look too comfy in it, do you, Mr Caldwell? Uh, no, well, I'm getting old. Feel a bit vulnerable in it, do you? What do you mean? Well, because you're made of glass. Who? Did, did, did Veronica... Uh, what is this, Mr Bobby? Oh, just just call me Bobby, sir. W what did she tell you? Oh, that you think you're made of glass. Listen, I... This isn't... I, I, I don't want to talk about it. What exactly are you doing here? Veronica wants me to prove to you that you're not made of glass. Well, I don't think this is appropriate, Bobby. I, I, I'm not well. I recently lost my wife for 50 years and, and I'm not... I'm not feeling well at all. Well, I think she's wrong. What? Veronica. She's wrong. Wrong? About what? You are made of glass, Mr Caldwell. The problem is, she doesn't believe you. What did you say? You are made of glass, Mr Caldwell. Oh. And I can help you. Oh my. Oh my. Veronica is, well, she can be very, what's the word, obtuse. Is that the word? I don't know. She's too literal. The moment I saw Ralph, I knew what the solution was. Don't break the spell. Let the spell melt away of its own accord. It's like when you take a ball of molten glass from the furnace. It could be anything. All you have to do is breathe life into it and let it grow into what you can imagine it could be. All the clues were in Ralph's work. When I got back to the workshop that morning, I looked him up on YouTube. All she needed was right there in his lectures. You need to remember that in the Middle Ages, glass was a luxury. 
and a miracle to most people. This strange substance, blown into existence from fire and sand, to create amazing translucent forms that could, almost magically, keep out the elements while keeping them in view. It affected the minds of the susceptible and entered their dreams and fantasies and fears. In 1613, Cervantes, the author of Don Quixote, wrote a short story about a man who believed that he was made of glass. And he wasn't the first. In 1583, the Italian Renaissance writer Tommaso Garzoni became intrigued by a very similar real-life case in which the sufferer was tormented to such an extent that he begged to be taken to Murano, which, of course, is famous for its exquisite glass to this day, and be thrown into the furnaces and melt all his troubles away. His objective was to be transformed into a goblet. Now, Cervantes may also have read reports of other similar psychological disorders. The men, and they were all men, who were so convinced that they were made of glass that they insisted on being laid on beds of hay or even packed in straw so they could be transported from place to place. Some believed that they were completely transparent, that when they held their hands up to the sun, its rays would pour straight through their flesh and bones and sinews. Cervantes understood this to be the result of a psychological trauma. His story, El Licenciado Vidriera, related how his hero, a, a, a brilliant young student, made the mistake of spurning the advances of what Cervantes describes euphemistically as a worldly lady. She gives him a love potion made from quince grown in Toledo, and he falls desperately ill. When he wakes, he believes he is made of glass. He is taken very carefully, wrapped in hay, to a monk who cures him. Glass, very quickly, became a metaphor for human fragility. Bobby genius. Bobby, what the hell are you doing? Sorry, but this is the only thing that makes sense. I asked you to tell him the truth. I did. He is made of glass. Oh God. Are you... Do you think this is funny? No, I think it's deadly serious. I asked you to do one simple thing. No, you asked me to do the thing you thought would make a difference. He is not made of glass. No, he is not made of glass, but he thinks he is. More than thinks, he believes it. He feels it. He lies there like he is made of glass. Oh, you're as mad as he is. No, I'm just the bloke who knows glass when he sees it. So, I can't work out whether you're playing some kind of sick joke. Come over. I'll show you what I'm doing and how we're going to make your dad feel better. Oh, I don't know. It's up to you. OK, but but if you're... I, I won't throw you into the furnace and make a delicate set of sherry glasses from your bones, I promise. <laughs> OK, I'll be there. Fyodor Dostoevsky, on a tour of Europe in 1863, visited the famous Crystal Palace in London. It had been built for the Great Exhibition of 1851 and then dismantled and moved from Hyde Park in the centre of London to the suburb of Sydenham. It was a huge structure of iron and glass. So much glass. More glass than most Victorians had ever seen in their lives or would ever see again. Dostoevsky described it as something out of Babylon, a kind of prophecy from the apocalypse fulfilled before your very eyes. Just looking at it makes you feel that something final has been accomplished. Accomplished and brought to an end. He understood the power of glass. Of knowing it surrounds you, has weight and heft above you, but is invisible. Transports you from the outside world to another world of imagination. Glass 
seemingly inert, but somehow always in motion, alive with light, forged in fire, glass, fragile, deadly, weightless, precious, but banal. This had better be good. Nice to see you too. I mean it. Dad is more agitated than ever. More brittle than ever. Brittle. <laughs> That's good. Next you'll say you're shattered. This isn't funny, Bobby. Really, it isn't funny. Ever since my mum died, it's been... it's been hell in our house. Why do you live with your father? What? What kind of question is that? Sorry, but do you live with him permanently? Right, so now you're judging me, is that it? The spinster with her ageing father. Well, who said anything about spinster? Well, I'm not a spinster. That's a sexist word anyway. You always seem to be in a race to find something to argue about. But you asked the question. It was an innocent question. I live with my dad because... because I split up with my partner and he got the house. OK. Enough said. Sorry I asked. OK, so let's leave it. So... so what's this? A coffin? It looks like a coffin. It's a bed for a man made of glass. You're kidding. It's lined with foam, the foam I use to send out the glassware I make, and it's covered in velvet. There's a headrest and a footrest, see? And it does not look like a coffin. It's based on that Eames chair your dad sits in. You're mad, and you think I'm mad too. If you keep telling him he's not made of glass, he will keep believing that he is made of glass. You just have to accept that he is made of glass and that he misses his wife, your mother, and get over the fact that he's grieving hard and you don't like the fact that he's fallen to pieces. But if I'd been married to the woman I'd loved for 50 years and she just died, I think I'd believe that I was made of glass to try and cope with the fact that my heart is broken. Okay. I, I think you're some kind of genius, Bobby Genius. Well, that's all right then. Let's get this thing over to your house, shall we? And we'll do something good for the man. You take that end and I'll take this one. You'll never shatter, not completely. You can always go back into the fire and remake yourself. You are not made of glass, but your world is. Only you can stay whole. And when something breaks, you can magically repair it yourself. You just have to believe it. I think Veronica understood that the moment we put Ralph into the bed I'd made for him. And he understood it too, in that moment. Finally, his grief was real. His daughter could accept that her mother was gone, but her father was still here, still a precious part of her life. We are not made of glass. We are not transparent. We are not as brittle as we think we are. I'm really sorry, Dad. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Don't speak about it. I feel so... This is an extremely comfortable... Um, is it a box? Bobby says it's a bed. Hmm. Looks like a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Perceptive lad. Well, he's hardly a lad. Bit of a big head, calling himself Bobby Genius. It comes from a Lithuanian name or something. He explained it, but it didn't make sense. Good-looking chap, too. Very, very nice chap. Hey, Veronica? <laughs> oh, Dad, shut up. <laughs> Every love story is made of glass, because when you look at it, through it, 
within it. It's so fragile and yet so solid. It's a myth that glass is a slow-moving liquid. That's what some people believe, but it's just not true. It's actually an amorphous solid. Oh, is it? Mm. It lacks the ordered molecular structure of true solids, and yet its irregular structure is too rigid for it to qualify as a liquid. Oh, you're just reading that from bloody Google. You're so lazy. You just look at the first thing you find. Glass is easy. Glass is simple. It's what you see through it that isn't. <sighs> Let's not talk about glass ever, ever again, shall we? But it's what I do. But it's not what you do when you're with me. Oh? What do I do when I'm with you? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. Come here. A Heart of Glass by Anselm Rose was produced by the South Mims U Drama Department. <laughs>